Good morning, goddesses and gods alike. This is Shannon, and I'm your host, and you're listening to the Goddess Morning Show podcast, where you can tune in every weekday morning for an approximately 20-minute long episode to start your day with updates on things that matter to a community of awake and conscious individuals who seek the divine feminine in all we do. We sift through all the copious amounts of information on the internet to bring you news and information on the things that matter to you. Tune in to hear about environmental news and book releases, interviews with thought leaders influencing the awakening of humanity, the moon phases, planetary positions, crystal healing, herbal and holistic health, guidance on green living, and that's just naming a few. Please remember to subscribe and leave a review on whatever platform you are listening to us on right now. Be blessed. Namaste. Good morning, everyone. Thank you for joining me. And today is Tuesday, March 31st, 2020. This is the Goddess Morning Show, and I am your host, Shannon. All right. Our first article today is a column in the Wild Hunts uh, regular email newsletter. And the The author's name is Sherry Barker, and it says she's going to become a regular columnist. And it says, as it often does, spring arrived early in the mountains of western North Carolina, so I have spent a great deal of time these past few weeks outdoors preparing garden beds and soaking up fresh air and daylight. Much of that work has involved pulling weeds and digging some disturbingly prolific kind of wild garlic out of a 30 by 20 flower garden which means I spent hours sitting and even lying in the cool earth. My hands were often moving dirt just inches from my face, and sometimes the bugs and worms I disturbed were so close and personal. Being that close to nature deepens and strengthens my connection to the divine, and during this time of year invariably reminds me of how my own personal relationship with the goddess has often been infused by her sense of humor. She sometimes uses that humor to draw my attention to certain topics or even to metaphorically slap me upside the head when she thinks it is needed. Some years ago on Astara, I was experiencing a significant life crisis. For reasons I do not remember, I decided to go searching for answers in the upstate New York cemeteries where my ancestors are buried. As the day went on, my mood deteriorated. I was certainly not getting answers from my gone-befores as I was cleaning their grave sites and I started to feel angry with the goddess. Toward the end of the day, I was in a little clearing bordered by woods and I wandered to the farthest edge of it, again away from the graves. I began pacing back and forth, talking more and more loudly to the goddess, and finally I threw my fleece jacket and then myself down onto a log and shouted a challenge to the sky. I don't even know if I believe in you anymore. How can these things be happening in my life if you are real? Just give me a sign, goddess. Do something to let me know you're real. Angry, deflated, and tired, I slumped down on my seat just inches from the ground. I had been sitting for less than a minute when I heard a loud hissing sound, like steam pipes or an old-fashioned radiator. The sound got slowly louder, and I looked around to try to figure out where it was coming from, but could not see anything. Then I looked behind me at a six-inch thick layer of loam and leaves piled up against the log on which I sat. 
and that was when I saw the very thick body of a very long snake moving through the debris, gliding along the bottom edge of the log. The hissing sound was produced by the snake's body moving slowly through the leaf litter. I may have shouted in that instant that I jumped up. Maybe I yelped. Maybe I screamed a scaredy cat kind of scream. I'm not really certain about my instant vocal reaction, but the next thing I knew, I was laughing and saying, Okay, alright, I see you here, and you are definitely real. Thank you for answering me. She's like that sometimes. With one bold, funny, in-my-face move, she lets me know that she was with me, that she has been there, and that she does indeed listen. Snake is one of the oldest known representations of the goddess, and I had no doubt that she was making herself known to me. With her choice of form, she pointed me in a direction of study about the history of snake in pagan mythologies and the never-ending cycle of life, death, and rebirth as it pertains to challenges and changes of ordinary life. It was a good solution for dealing with the problems I was experiencing then, and it is a solution I'm revisiting during these difficult current times. From my perspective as a pagan and in Celtic roots of my tradition, the symbolic meaning of the snake stems from two different events, snake's hibernation during the cold season and snake's ability to shed her skin. In the realm of spirit, hibernation symbolizes snake's ability to move between the worlds. During the cold, dark days of winter, she dwells safely within the body of the earth, although my long-ago ancestors probably thought she died during the winter months. With the return of warmer days, she answers the call of the sun and comes once again to live on Earth's surface, ready to be reborn. This is the same pattern I follow when I manage my spiritual practice so that I stay in tune with the turning of the wheel of the year, beginning with Samhain, then I acknowledge the time for self-reflection and introspection and going until the turning of the wheel carries me to the vernal equinox and the time for new and renewed growth. In considering hibernation in terms of its relationship to the wheel of year, I see the act of shedding skin as symbolic of the cycle of life, death, and rebirth. It is by shedding her skin that snake is able to be reborn. So the ancient Celts believed, and so can I even now see the spiritual truth of this belief. The most amazing part of this concept is that there is no limit to the number of times rebirth can occur. Snakes shed her skin not only just once in a lifetime, but does so time and again as she grows and changes throughout her life. With each transformation, she casts off her old self and emerges renewed and re-energized. These patterns are also apparent in the ability to recognize periods of dormancy in my life when they occur outside the scope of the wheel, and to accept those periods as being necessary to my ability to look within myself in order to define my expectations for my own renewal and transformation rather than looking to external sources. These challenges and choices are presented now to society and humanity as a whole in conjunction with their usual appearance at this time of year. My time in the gardens allowed for a great deal of reflection on the similarities between isolation, quarantine, and how society will emerge from these times, and the hibernation and eventual reemergence of snake. Rebirth, renewal, transformation. I see countless possibilities twisted together like the Celtic knot images of a snake flowing ceaselessly, endless with beauty. Alright, our next article is Green Witchcraft Drawing What's Needed with Clover. 
by Gwen on Pathios.com, and this was written March 30th of this year. It says, in the last week, I began sharing guided meditations as one small way to help three pagan and a cat listeners or anyone who's interested through the current situation of social distancing. My intention is to provide people with a positive focus to start the day, that kind of thing. Today's theme was drawing good fortune by taking listeners to a field of clover in their mind's eye. So I decided to explore other ways to use this lovely plant ally. Clover, a little gardening information. With its fresh green sprigs and sweet blossoms, this plant has an unfortunate reputation for being a weed. However, it is known to be beneficial, encouraging pollination, stabilization, and known to be improving soil, among other things. There are a variety of species available with different color blossoms. Some grow well in full sunshine, with others preferring a more soggy ground. This plant grows quickly, covering bare patches in a lawn that need sprucing up. The plant is said to discourage snakes. According to American Meadows, there are several reasons clover is so beneficial. Taproots and fibrous roots introduce air into the soil and keep it loose, preventing weeds from choking out other wildflowers and grasses, and this plant can help prevent soil erosion caused by wind and rain. As a cover crop, it breaks down over time into excellent green manure or fertilizer by adding organic matter and nutrients into the soil as a natural mulch. In addition, beneficial bugs are drawn to clovers such as ladybugs, lacewings, and non-stinging wasps because they feed on aphids, white flies, cabbage worms, and various pests to plants and flowers. They also invite bees and other pollinators into the area which aids various garden crops, fruits, trees, bushes, leading to more, ver- more productive harvests. Sow seeds in the spring when the threat of frost has passed or in autumn, depending on your location and type of clover. Another great thing about clover is that it's edible. The red clover and white clover varieties are especially full of vitamins and minerals, which support the liver, heart, and other body functions. You can use the blossoms in salads and stir fries, steep the fresh or dried flowers to make an herbal tea, etc., or create a salve for topical use as a way to relieve pain. Everyone knows that the shamrock is associated with Ireland. Legend teaches that St. Patrick used the three-leafed sprig as a metaphor to explain the triune deity of Christianity. In folk magic, it can be used as a talisman of protection. A four-leaf clover brings luck to the one who finds it, and in my experience, the plant makes a wonderful ally in drawing what's needed into one's life. As mentioned, you can cultivate the plant white or red varieties recommended to harvest for your magical workings and medicinal purposes. Stick with organic planting methods such as much as possible. You can also wildcraft the blossoms and or leaves if they are already growing in your green space or nearby. Stay away from the areas where a pesticide is used and pet waste areas. These are herb companies such as Starwest Botanicals that offer what you may need as well. Make an infusion for a ritual bath or pour over the head in a shower. Focus on drawing what you need as you bathe or pour the infusion. Drink a red blossom brew while focusing intention on what you need to draw into your life. Be mindful of interactions with medications. Avoid if nursing or pregnant. Always read available information before adding herbals into your diet. Grow white or red clover in a pot. Make sure it has plenty of sunlight and well-draining soil. 
As you plant the seeds, focus on what you need to bring into your life. Speak the words of an incantation asking Clover to assist in the spell. Every time you water and care for the plant, focus on what you want to draw or manifest into your life. Place clover blossoms in a mojo or witch's bag, focusing intention on what you need to carry with you. Write your intention in a magical ink on a bit of parchment or paper to place inside the bag. Be succinct. Sit in a place where clover is growing. Pick and eat one of the blossoms while focusing intention on drawing what you need into your life. There is a lot more you can do with this plant ally. Clover is abundant and willing to assist. Its corresponding intentions include exorcism, fidelity, friendship, healing, hex removal, intuition, kindness, love, luck, money, protection, release, and success. All right, our next article is written by John Beckett on January 21st of this year. And it's called Building Paganism in a Culture that Trivializes the Sacred. It says the loudest pagan voices last week were those complaining about the ridiculous and offensive Witch in a Week article from The Independent. I was one of them. The second loudest pagan voices were complaining, why are you spending so much time and energy on that? The answer is that witches and pagans felt angered and offended by someone trivializing our beliefs and practices. You can argue that we should care more about climate change, endless war, or simply tending to our spiritual practices. You wouldn't be wrong. But people feel the way they feel. And that article pushed a lot of buttons for a lot of pagans and witches. Telling people they're wrong to feel what they feel is almost never well received, and thus does more harm than good. At the same time, there are so many opportunities to be offended. Conservative Christians think we're evil, aggressive, atheists think we're delusional, and marketers are constantly looking for something edgy to take and sell to the mainstream or worse, to sell back to us at a huge markup. If we spend too much time reacting to others, we'll never have enough time to build the kind of deep magic, religion, and spirituality we want and need. We don't have to suck it up and ignore offensive behavior. We just have to make sure we don't let other people control the agenda. There's a reason it's called daily spiritual practice. We do it every day, no matter what. This is how we stay connected to our paths and traditions, to our gods and ancestors, to our virtues and values. Prayer, meditation, offerings, devotional readings, whatever it is that you do on a daily basis, make sure you keep doing it every day. There are only 24 hours in a day. If you spend some of them responding to the offensive behavior of others, where's the time coming from? What are you not doing so you can react? If it means you're not watching TV, great. If you're not sleeping, not so good. If you're not meditating or composing rituals or planting trees, not good at all. Individuals and groups have a core religious mission. The things our gods and goddesses have asked or demanded us to do. We can't allow anything to distract us from that mission and its work, no matter how offended we are. Standard advice for pagans and anyone else talking to the media is talk about what you are, not what you aren't. If you spend all your time talking about what you're not, evil and you don't worship Satan, all anybody will remember about you is evil and Satan. There can be value in using someone else's misinformation to compare and contrast. That's why I tried to do on Sunday's post, stories are myths, gods are persons. But pointing out other people's errors only goes so far. 
we need to control our own messaging. Maintain your blogs and websites. Write books and recommend the good books other people write. Define and articulate your transition in your words and on your terms. Set your own agenda. Don't let your opponents set it for you. For centuries, witchcraft was something to be feared. Then it became a staple of fantasy and horror fiction. Only in the past hundred years or so have people started reclaiming the archetype of the witch and turning it into something a few people devote their lives to becoming. Misunderstandings are inevitable. That doesn't excuse them. It certainly doesn't excuse someone mocking other people's sacred practices, even if they think they're silly. But if you can understand the source of the misunderstanding, including whether it's a mistake or ignorance or an act of maliciousness, you can do a better job of responding to it. Sometimes the best response is a calm, factual rebuttal, particularly if people don't know anything about paganism are watching. Sometimes it's humor and mockery. Other times it's best to ignore the whole thing. In any case, think before you respond. Be strategic with your righteous anger. Let's be honest, righteous anger feels good. Most of our lives are lived in shades of gray, but here's something that is high contrast black and white. You're right and they're wrong. It feels good to tell them how just how wrong they are. But like most things that feel good, righteous anger can be addictive. If you're not careful, you'll end up conservative like a talk, sh talk radio host, ignoring the facts and losing all perspective to keep, keep generating anger. You'll turn your neighbors into righteous, uh, I'm sorry, you'll turn your neighbors into opponents and your opponents into enemies. And while righteous anger feels good, being angry all the time gets old and it's not healthy. You feel what you feel, but you can choose how to respond to those feelings. Is ranting against people who trivialize our sacred practices going to help the wider pagan movement? If so, then rant away. But consider that there are more helpful ways to respond. Sometimes the occult needs to remain occulted. My good friend and fellow Denton pagan, Cynthia Talbot, recently said, all these Christians claiming to be oppressed don't have to see their gods on a slot machine, as we were looking at slot machines featuring Norse and Egyptian deities. And that's not including all the witch-themed ones. Can you imagine the outrage if someone made a Jesus and the loaves fishes Jesus and the loaves and fishes slot machine. There is nothing our capitalist culture won't appropriate and trivialize for profit if they think they can get away with it. And when it comes to pagan polytheist and witchcraft matters, they mostly can't. That's not right, but that's where we are. I'm all for being a public pagan and for normalizing pagan beliefs and practices in the mainstream culture. But sometimes the only way we can prevent our most sacred traditions from being trivialized is to keep them hidden. So give some thought as to what you share and how you share it. Once you put on a t-shirt, it's there for the taking. Help seekers where you can. We live in the most religiously diverse and religiously fluid society in the history of humanity. People no longer feel tied to the religion of their childhood. Changing your religion isn't just permitted, it's almost expected. When people start seeking something new, they're going to find the mainstream religions. They're going to find the pop culture versions of paganism. I want them to also find the deep, serious pagan traditions. That's one of the main reasons I respond to things some people would prefer I ignore. If there's misinformation in the public square, we need to label it as such. 
and then point people towards something of substance. Remember, this means we're winning. Mormonism is growing because the Mormon church conscripts vast numbers of its young adult members to serve as missionaries as door-to-door salesmen. Paganism is growing for a very different reason. Paganism, polytheism, and witchcraft are intuitive. People instinctively understand the sacredness of nature, the multiplicity of the gods and goddesses, and the reality of magic. We don't need salesmen. We need teachers and organizers to help people who want to explore their intuitive paganism in more depth. To be clear, I don't like seeing my gods on slot machines. I don't like witchcraft and magic being turned into an aesthetic. But people were burned at the stake for less, not all that long ago. Now that Christian hegemony is broken, gods who were considered nothing more than characters in old stories are being seen as more by the mainstream. Young women and others aren't afraid of being accused of witchcraft. They're claiming the identity of witchcraft. Most of this is shallow, but some of the shallow seekers are finding their way into the deep end of the pool. This is how we restore paganism, not with missionaries and not with the power of the government, but by freeing people to follow what their hearts tell them is true. We just need to make sure they can find the real thing when they come looking for it. All right. Thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, I hope everyone out there is staying healthy and safe and has an opportunity to get all the resources that they need. I send you brightest blessings and hope all the best things for you and your loved ones during this time in the world that we're going through. Namaste. This episode of the Goddess Morning Show is brought to you by From Ashes We Rise To.com, where you can get wellness coaching using holistic methods of healing, purchase our handcrafted, custom blended, organic, non GMO herbal teas that are crafted with love, and also order hand poured soy candles infused with love and pure essential oils and herbs to heal using aromatherapy. Visit our website at fromasheswerise2.com. That's fromasheswerise with the number 2.com to read more about these products and services. Have a blessed day.